You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, Bill's Pipes, Shades of Grey Helmet Painting, and Just One Helmets. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, but with us on the line, we've got a very special guest, Donnie Holshot Hansen. Donnie, how's it going? I'm doing good, Brad. Thank you. Doing good. I appreciate that. And uh, you know what? It's... Uh, I, I, not go a moment or further without uh, thanking uh, Dan Gurry for uh, for connecting us and uh, and allowing me to make this conversation happen. It's uh, it's a dream of mine to interview a guy like yourself, uh, a man who uh, has really made a huge impact in the sport of motocross, not only with your own career but uh, passing on that knowledge that you have to uh, to many riders, producing uh, a lot of uh, race wins and even some some title champions. Absolutely. Um... Uh, like I mentioned, that uh, you know, I'm fortunate to uh, to be able to stay in the sport and, and help out these riders, uh, the younger riders, and, and it's, you know, it's a matter of, it's a matter of knowing how and what to practice because your average amateur doesn't know how to practice. So they all they do is do laps with uh, with some bad technique and reinforce that technique uh, if they don't know any better uh, from lap to lap. So. They're not going to excel in the sport. And then the older riders that I work with all the time, you know, uh, they, enjoy, they enjoy working with me, and, and uh, the, uh, the, better, the better they're riding and make it safer as well. And, and uh, uh, you know, they, they can enjoy it better because they're learning the proper way and, and, and uh, uh, how to get around the track making it more easier for them and and uh, more enjoyable absolutely now uh like wh- how how uh, vast of uh, an array of ages do you do you lend yourself to and uh and how much of the uh the older guys that uh you're you're coaching are like uh they, are they uh they're predominantly to, to get faster on the bike or uh, do they ho- hoping uh, more than anything to uh, uh spend some time with an icon like yourself uh, no, they want to get faster and, uh, you know, I can, I could break it down. You know, it's, it's amazing when I have four days with these riders, uh, the difference in, in their, uh, ability, um, and their confidence is uh, unreal. You know, with uh, four days of hands-on training that I do, uh, here in Colorado, uh, you know, we keep the track, I keep the, the classes small enough where, the riders get a lot of hands-on uh, training and to work on their specific needs as well as in the groups. And, uh, you know, the age goes, I've had them as young as five, and I've had them as old as 75. So, um, you know, again, depending on what you're getting out of it, with whether you want to better yourself uh, as well as be safer or just be a safer rider and just 
joyful weekend rider, you know, every 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 so often they can go up and and uh they can apply apply what they what they learn from me and uh, make them more enjoyable and, and safer as well. So uh, how does the different age groups differ? Obviously, working with a very young athlete, uh, some of them are very timid, but uh, they can be very perceptive as well, and they tend to, uh, to listen to everything that, uh, that you say. Uh, and obviously, uh, some of the kids in the adolescent years, they're a little bit more reluctant to, uh, to take every single piece of information from you. Um, what are the, the kind of uh, idiosyncrasies of those different age groups that uh, you kind of uh, face different challenges? Well, like I said, in the camps, you know, where I keep the classes smaller is, uh, you know, the younger riders, their attention span is not there, as you may know. Um, and you just got to stay on them and, and, and uh, kind of push them, push them a little bit. Um, where the older riders, um, they're so used to doing things one way, uh, and but they want to learn. And you got to keep reminding them, keep reminding them, same, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, the faster riders, uh, the faster amateurs, or even the pros, you know, they take tip, they take tip pretty quick, uh, and it's you know a little more than than uh, the technique training for the advanced riders. I mean, for the uh, the pros, uh, more of the uh, the speed training, working on their endurance. Uh, as well as their, you know, their speed training and uh, get their heart rate up, um, and you know they take to it. I mean, they take to the stuff uh, pretty easily. Um, they understand they're at that level where they understand what you're, uh, what you're trying to, uh, how to come across to them on, on what they're, uh, what they're up against, you know, and how to better themselves and get their speed up and. Uh, and uh, you know, it's, it'll, some of the riders that are are breaking into the pro class, you know, you still got to work on quite a bit of techniques. But uh, the more advanced riders, you know, they, uh, you know, just getting them getting them out there, uh, they go the speed they have to for the for the distance of you know the race type deals. You got to you got to train them for if they're amateur and they're. And they're racing the amateur nationals, depending what if it's a Loretta Lens or or what. You got to you got to train those guys for that for that race for that national, and uh, you know for for 20 minutes plus two laps um, in the heat. So there's you know different different types of training that I can do depending on the, on the riders. But mostly these days I've been Working mostly with this, the uh, just the regular amateur riders um, um, that uh, you know the, the weekend the weekend racers and but uh, um, and and we I, I make a big difference with those guys um, um, you know after after I spend like I said four days with them and the difference. Taking that to the to the races in the next week and is is pretty unbelievable. 
Absolutely. I am myself of a product of, of many a riding schools from the local pros, and it's amazing the leaps, leaps and bounds you can make. Uh, what are some of those uh, bad habits or uh, some of the, the most common bad habits that you find in amateur races these days, whether it be a uh, constant waste of energy with uh, a- access scrubbing or uh, poor form on the bike? Uh, where are these kids making the most amount of mistakes? Yeah, probably um, you see a lot of them. Um, using a lot of energy off the jumps, um, mistakes, you know, uh, what I'm seeing from a lot of these riders is, uh, line choices and, um, shit, it varies, uh, where their feet are on the foot pegs at times, um, you know, back in my day, I was known for being real smooth. So the smoother you are, the less energy you use out there, the stronger you're going to be out throughout the race. And any more, these, these racers are going fast. So um, you got to, you have to, uh, you know, make sure you're strong at the, the last couple couple laps and, and have the energy for those last two laps to, uh, uh, the fight to the finish, and especially uh, you'd mentioned those uh, um, those bad habits. You like more often than not, uh, you're not only working on getting those bad habits out when you're when you're fresh and when you're 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 rested, but uh, more often than not, we also go back to those bad habits when we're tired. So that's part of the training in and of itself is to to not go back to those bad habits uh, when we're tired late in the moto. Absolutely, yep, yeah. You got to. Uh... You know, motocross is probably the most demanding sport in the world. And uh, you know, if a rider if a rider comes out comes to me after you know uh, puts a few laps in, he says and he says he's not tired. I tell him that you're not riding hard enough. If you're riding hard enough, you should you should be tired. I mean, I was one of the during my time I was one of the fittest riders out there, and and I was tired. At the end of my moto, whether it's a 45-minute moto or a 20-lap uh, main main event in the Supercross, I would be tired. Um, and so, if, if you're tired and you and you feel you've been working working hard during the week prior to the race, if you're tired, then you can bet the other riders the other riders are, are more tired than you are. Yeah. It's okay to be tired after a moto uh, because the fitness that you're allowing yourself to go is it's allowing you to go that much harder uh, on those laps. Uh, but knowing the fact that uh, the, the pace that you can go is uh, exceeding the fitness levels of the competition around you. Yeah, right. Uh, so you've worked with such riders as uh, Andrew Short, Cole Seeley, and of course your son Josh. Uh, what are some of the the uh, problems or the the bad habits that these guys have that uh, that you not only had to fix through through working with them, or uh, so what are some of them that uh, every once in a while, when you're at the races or you see one on TV, where you see these guys, uh, they're they're still doing some of those uh, those bad habits. Well, Andrew Short. Uh... You know, I've been work. I was working with Andy Short when we moved to Colorado here some twenty years ago. Yeah, and uh, he was a, a local SRAC rider that was finishing in the middle of the pack uh, in the in the expert class. 
and uh, so I kind of, I kind of grabbed onto him and kind of latched on and took him under my wing and, and uh, help him out. But his his main problem was he wasn't breaking prop- properly. He was breaking with a clutch, and that's a that's a big no-no. You don't break with a clutch, you know. And um, so it's a matter of you apl- applying everything and your power to help you slow down. Front brake, rear brake, and your transmission using your motor to help you slow down. So you're not you're not braking with the clutch, and you're using the clutch to shift, and you're braking with the clutch out uh, to help you slow down to coming into your uh, coming into the corner. And that was, as far as I remember, that was the the one thing that stuck out of my head about Andrew. Uh, Andrew, uh, his parents uh, are friends of ours, and and back then. You know, we see him at the at the uh, amateur nationals. Um, you know, throughout the year, and uh, we became good friends. You know, um, along along the way. But he, the parents, or the dad, you know, um, wanted wanted uh, always wanted my input on on uh, where to go. You know. How, what do we have to do to get Andrew better? And I, I would tell him, you need to go where the fastest races are. You got to do the amateur nationals. Get out of Col- get out of Colorado, ride in Colorado every week, and, and get in the SRAC number one plate. Forget about that. If you want to make a try to make a career out of this, you got to go where the fastest riders are in the country, and that means you go to World Mini, you go to Loretta Lynn's, you go to Ponca City, you go to you do all the amateur nationals. Go the Texas uh, races where you get fast races there as well. But uh, and uh, you know you learn you learn to uh, to get a speed uh, when you're racing against the faster riders. You know you apply applying everything that you're learning for me and apply it out there with the the faster uh, the faster riders and and. At some point, you're going to be at the top of that uh, top of your game, and that's that's what I did with Andrew. That's what I did with Josh. You know, that's what I do with my with my riders. We, you know, as a little guy, Josh is younger than Andrew. He was a 60 rider, and he was he was he wasn't very flashy at all. I mean, he did get a, a title at Oklahoma at uh, Ponca City. City, yeah. He did get a, a title there one year on the 60, but otherwise he didn't stand out in the mini bikes until until he got on the big bikes. But um, he he was up there though. He was up there and just never was able to get a title. Uh, you know, like some of these riders that keep winning titles every year, like the Stewarts, like like James Stewart. He was uh, younger than Josh and. He was winning title after title, whatever class, however many classes he was riding every year. You know, he he would dominate. You know, and uh, Josh was never nothing like that. But uh, you know, he, you know, he learned along the way. We uh, we you know go from the East Coast to the West Coast, uh, doing these uh, national uh, national um, races, and uh, he just progressed along the way. And uh, Andrew as well, but uh, now now they're now they're veterans and uh, the and the pro and the, 
the pro races, but uh, uh, they both did, they've done well. I'm proud of proud of both of them. For sure, absolutely. Those two uh, are are superstars of the sport, and uh, so a lot of kids look up to uh, not only their riding style but uh, the speed they have on the track. And it's uh, it's got to be a proud moment for you to say that, uh, especially in the case uh, of Josh, but even uh, in somewhat more so Andrew, that uh, you had a, a, a big hand in getting to them to where they're at. Because uh, I remember Andrew Short coming onto the scene uh, in the late '90s, uh, getting he first had uh, one small shot with. Uh, with Mitch and then ended up on a Motor World Suzuki, um, a lot of kind of almost like a B-level B rides and kind of kind of claw his way up to uh, to the factory level, which uh, is is predominantly um, thanks to uh, some some tutelage from a guy like yourself. Right, right. He just uh, he worked hard. He, Andrew's a hard worker, and uh, he did he did what you told him, and uh, he he earned his way up there. He's a uh, a uh, nice, nice young man, and uh, he worked hard at uh, uh, climbing, climbing uh, towards the top. Right, Alan. So let's uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Let's talk about uh, where you cultivated the skills that you then would pass on to uh, to the these riders. Um, where does it all start for you? Where did you get your first bike? Uh, what was the scenario? Uh, and, uh, and how did you grow up racing down in the, uh, the Mecca of motocross and in Simi Valley, California? Well, I actually, my dad used to race, uh, back in his day when I was, when I was barely walking and he was racing TTs and flat tracks. So, uh, when he, re- when he retired, he was a, a local expert out there and, Southern California, and then uh, when I came along and and uh, I started riding, uh, playing out in the desert with family and friends, camping out in the desert, and then uh, racing, started racing uh, TTs and flat tracks myself uh, uh, at at the age of about 13, 13, 14, 15, right up right in there, and. Uh, I got to where I was doing pretty good, riding District 37, and got up to uh, uh, amateur. I was an amateur, and I was a little right below uh, Eddie Lawson. Eddie Lawson is a, a former uh, champion in the sport in uh, TT flat track and road race. But uh, he was an expert, and, and I was an amateur. But um, that's and then um and then and then I got uh, the opportunity to uh race some motocross or race motocross from a gentleman that was uh uh in construction he is uh, a wealthy construct construction worker and he uh, was talking to a form or a uh, a friend uh, a friend of ours and uh, he suggested me, you know, maybe try some motocross. So he came to me and asked me if I wanted to try it. And I said, sure, we'll try it. Because my dad didn't have no money. You know, we was riding uh, used used bikes that we, we'd fix up or he would fix up. And uh, he didn't have a lot of money, though. But uh, so we tried we tried uh, motocross, and I, I, I won my first race uh, on a 250, 250 novice out there in Valley Cycle Park. And... Uh, he, he took to me, so he kind of took me under his his wing, 
and it would take he would uh he, he liked back then in the seventies. So I started racing motocross, I guess it was about seventy four. And uh the Makos, AW Makos were the the ticket back then, you know, before the Japanese started going or started going good. So he liked the Makos and uh he would get me a, a new bike every I don't know, probably probably uh every every few months, you know, and uh he would take us racing and uh, between Indian Dunes and Saddleback and Escape Country or Danza, whatever, and uh, just kind of I, t- I turned expert like within uh, about six month period. From when, wow, that's incredible! When I, like you started at a young age or started started late and you rose to going pretty fast, pretty quick. Yeah, so in about six months, I turned local expert or pro whatever you called it back then and uh mm-hmm. and started racing uh you know indian bins friday nights and on sundays and saddleback on saturdays right the 45 minute motos and uh when i when it was when i was expert um and then what year was it i don't remember the year but uh uh, Billy Payne, uh, this gentleman, his name was Ron Smith, that uh, would, was backing me, was sponsoring me, was helping me out. And uh, he really liked the sport, and he wanted somebody. His, he had some kids, but and they would start racing. They started racing uh, locally as well, amateurs, and and uh, he just really liked the sport. So eventually, you know, he was buying my bikes. For me, from Cole Brothers, uh, out there in the valley. Okay. And uh, he got to where he was getting pretty serious in this uh, this racing thing. He wanted his own own shops. He wanted his own shop where, when he, when he wanted to get a bike, he'd go on the show on floor and get a bike. So he got Billy Payne, who had a you know he's uh, a fast pro back then, and he was kind of getting out of the sport. He was getting up, well, he wasn't that old, but uh, getting hurt a lot. And uh, so the, uh, he got a hold of him, and uh, he got uh, he got the shop, California, Billy Payne's California Motorsports is what they called it out there in Canoga Park, out there in the valley. Right. I think Southern California. And uh, um, trying to get a Maple franchise. Well, at first, we couldn't get... They couldn't get the franchise, Mako franchise, so they ended up getting the CZ franchise at first before getting the Mako franchise. But finally, we got the we got the, the Mako franchise, and thank God because I rode one of those CZs, and I I could not believe anybody rode those things. It was terrible. So, um, so we go. You know, I remember. Um, one year before the shop, uh, he uh, I, I raced at uh, Hopetown out there in, in Simi Valley, and uh, I was an you know I was a I was an amateur. What the, how that worked is that was a dirt diggers race. This is 37, and I had a fresh this is 37 card AMA card that was an amateur from racing TT, but now I'm racing expert at motocross. And they said that they're going to take 
the card holders first, and then if there's room, they'll take the non-card holders, uh, you know, to sign up. So we wanted to make sure I was going to get a spot. So I raced as an amateur, uh, and I and I won on Saturday the T50 amateur class at Hopetown. Saturday that that was Saturday. Saturday after the races, we went to uh, we went to Cole Brothers and got a open bike. We got a 400 or whatever it was, 400 Mako, and uh, went out uh, to see me driving and broke the bike in behind the see me driving and came out on Sunday afternoon, and I raced the expert class, the 500 expert class on on Sunday. Well, I was I was winning that when I kept throwing the chain, so I didn't I didn't finish very good. But uh, um, the next in between. After that year, this is when he opened up the California Motorsports. And then uh, now Hopetown went to Indian Dunes. It's called Dunestown that, that, that following year. And and uh, so Saturday, I uh, raced the 250 Expo class or pro class, and I won. He gave me uh, $200 cash for winning that. Then we went down to the shop, California Motorsports, went into the showroom floor, got a new bike, Got a new bike off the showroom floor, worked on it in the back, you know, and uh, raced uh, the 500 Pro class uh, the next day, and I won that. He gave me another $200 cash, and that was that was a big deal for a little kid, you know. I was, I was probably I was probably I don't know, six, 17 or so, and uh, um, anyways. Um, we, we, uh, after that, I'll get back here. Well, who, who are some of the, your, your rivals? Who are you racing against? Uh, I got to imagine, uh, this is the, like, uh, you're running into the, the, the David, I guess not, maybe not David Bailey, but, uh, um, the Rick Johnsons of the world, uh, Jim Hawley's running around, around there the same age, stuff like that. Jim Hawley um, raced. He was actually a mini bike rider when I was riding uh, the pro class. Okay. But he, he was during that time. Um, Scott Burnworth. No, well those guys were those guys are down south. So those okay. guys I didn't race against them. Uh, Ricky Johnsons, the Scott Burnsworth, the Brock Glovers. Those guys. Well, Ricky uh, Glover was on the Glover was on the circuit. You know, I was yeah. riding locally uh, amateur stuff. Um, and Ricky's younger than me. He's about, shoot, I think he's about four or five years younger than me. Um, okay. but we never, I don't remember racing against I never raced, I didn't, I raced Carlsbad, Escape Country, De Anza, Indian Dunes, Saddleback. Carlsbad, I, I raced a couple times. I didn't like that place because it was so fast and so, so, the, the surface was so hard; it was blue groove. You didn't want to fall off on that track; you'd get hurt. So, I didn't race there. Although, in '81, when uh, my teammate Chuck Sun won the uh, won the 500 class out there, I won the four class, the 250 class. Uh, O'Mara and Gibson, my teammates, finished second and third. But uh, um, I. I I didn't race cars about a whole lot, you know, and that's where Ricky 
RJ came from. Yeah. Um, and and the fast guys, you know, that that race Saddleback, uh, uh, Carlsbad. That's that was a different uh, bunch of riders, you know. Where I came from, it was the Jim Hollies, the Bobby Kleins, uh, Greg Robertson, Kenny Zart. We raced Indian Dunes, uh, Escape Country, um, De Anza. Russ McAfee was another rider. Um, Dave Haw, the late Dave Haw. But, you know, the, the Carlsbad, the Saddleback riders, those were a different group of riders. And uh, okay. eventually I would I would race with them and get more involved in their racing and, and, and you know, as an amateur. Uh, there, Ron Smith, he had a... Uh, he had a, a sister who lived out there in Orange County. So we'd go out there like on a Friday, what was it, Friday night or spend a the night there and then go race Saddleback, you know, uh, on, on Saturday. Um, I lost my train of thought, Brad. Where, where was I going? Uh, you talk, talking about... Uh, Racing and racing as an amateur uh, and getting more more towards your your professional debut in in seventy nine. So this is probably uh, racing CZs in nineteen seventy eight. And uh, again, I didn't um, race. I didn't race that. I I I, um, I don't think I raced that thing. I, okay. I remember I remember breaking breaking in the bike. It was oh Will Harper was another rider. Will Harper he was my teammate. Uh, Payne, Billy Payne was riding a little bit still on, uh, and, uh, I remember breaking in that, uh, CZ and just up and down the, the pit road and the shocks blew, the full tub, the full tub replica bike. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, we, we ended up getting the, the Mako franchise, you know, soon after we got this, the CZs gone, but, uh, I didn't have to ride the CZs very long, so that was good. Um, and then after, uh, you know, racing the Nakos, you know, um, at the beginning of my career, amateur career, you know, Ron knew that um, we had to go to, uh, eventually, the Japanese has the money in the sport. Mm-hmm. So he would, he would go to our mutual friends down in the down in the valley there and, and go buy a, a 250 Yamaha and he'd bring it home and I'll go try it out and see what I thought I said nope I want my Mako back so he would give it that, that Yamaha to his nephew that lives out there in Orange County and I'd stay on the Mako you know and every year he'd do that you know and finally at, you know, the Monoshock came, the Monoshock came out and the thing worked pretty good so got off uh, the Makos and got on the Yamaha because again the Japanese is where, you know, that's where the money is. And, uh, and uh, got uh, got going and got some support from Yamaha eventually. And uh, racing, racing and uh, between Southern California and Northern California, CMC events, AME events, and uh, doing, doing pretty good, doing all right. Well, the bikes... You know, bike was getting clapped out, and I wasn't 
Yamaha had so many riders, I was getting very little help. Uh, I had to keep welding the frames up because they were breaking and, and such. So eventually, Jeff Smith at Can-Am came to me and there we go. called me up and, and uh, asked if he'd be interested in, in riding Can-Am. So, and that's what you would eventually turn pro on. Right. Well, what happened is we figured, yeah, that might be a good thing because it's a small, it's a small um, uh, factory, and uh, we'll get more help. So that's what I did. I ended up going to Can Am, and then big bikes uh, too. Wow, those things were uh, like for suspension wise, they were just big motorcycles. Yeah. Well, the chassis wasn't the greatest. Uh, it was all right. It was all right for local racing, but the motors were 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 great. I had the Rotex motor and a lot of horsepower. It was a good motor, and for a local, for local racing, when the you know the tracks wouldn't get as beat like a, a national track, it worked. It worked pretty good. So uh, I rode for uh, uh, Andy Colby out there in Southern California. Colby Honda. He had Colby Honda and and Can Amps, and uh, so I was. I was doing pretty good locally, and then uh, Bob Barker was a team manager at Can-Am who lived in Florida, so okay. Greg Robertson was, uh, we were teammates, and uh, he wanted us to come out and race the, the Winter Series in Florida, and, and go out there and do some testing and make some money testing, and I make, you can make $100 a day testing, so... So we went. We drove his box van and went back to Florida and slept in our sleeping bags uh, at Bob Barker's house. And uh, we we go testing and and raced at one round. Kippy Pierce was our our, our teammate. Um, he was from Florida. He won the he won the series in our class, and uh, I think. Robertson rode the 500 class, and I rode the 250 with Kippy. But you know, I I did all right in one moto, but never put anything together. Uh, but back then, those tracks in Florida were deep sands, and they yeah. were they were real rough. Now the sands washed away for the most part, uh, or it's not as rough. But it used to be some deep sand, and you know, it it would uh, it would beat us up. You know, it, it was getting stronger. And uh, as we're testing and making the bikes work better, so after spending three months doing the winter series and testing, on the way home, I just knew, I just knew I was going to win, no matter where I went, at, in my uh, in Southern California at the local races that I, that I normally race. I just I was so strong mentally and physically, that's what I did. You know, I went home and between the uh, Indian Dunes and. Escape country, De Anza's, or or even even Saddleback. You know, I was I was one of the. If I didn't win, I was I was right up there. So, um, I raced. We signed up for our first Supercross race in 1979 at the L.A. Coliseum. Cowboy Kenny Bartram here. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial, but don't go away. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon 
is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. 
The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. July 14th, 1979, Can-Am. Uh, and uh, pretty a pretty decent night for you, considering uh, you're the only guy in the top ten that's not on a factory bike. Right, I finished seventh place, uh, first that's non-factory right. rider behind Tripes, and uh, and uh, the factory Can-Am riders uh, were Irested, Richard Irested, yeah. and, and Tony Tony D. They were they were the factory guys. They you know, I was a support rider for Can-Am, and they were the factory guys. And right. they finished 19th and 20th in the main, and I finished 7th. So, and, and and like I said, I was winning. I was winning most of the races locally, and uh, so Jeff Smith called up Andy Colby because Andy Colby sold Can-Ams, you know, with Honda, and uh, he wanted to talk to me about signing me. And so. I, uh, Jeff didn't call me at first. I think it was somebody at uh, the shop there called me and and uh, wanted to wanted to tell me that uh, Jeff Smith wanted to. Uh... Anyway, I talked to I talked to Jeff. I talked to Jeff uh, about signing a factory deal, mm-hmm. and I was pretty excited about that. So no kidding. So. Um, 
So I, so we had a like a handshake deal it was over the phone or whatever until we got a contract. So I said, yeah, I I'll do, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, meantime, meantime, uh, Colby Honda calls me again, and and uh, and uh, Dave Arnold at Honda wants to, wants to meet with me. That's a big that's a big meeting right there. That's a big meeting. And so, uh, you know, same thing. You you, you want to ride? Uh, I mean, factory bikes. This is what it came down to, uh, Rad. Is uh, factory bikes, and uh, the salary the salary is twice as high. Yeah, um, and these are full blown works bikes. These, these are non production. These are handmade. These right, are beautiful right. works of art. Right. So. So I said, uh, I said, well, I got to think about it because I, you know, I want to talk to people, and make sure this is the right thing. I want to, this is the right way to go. Right. And uh, of course, it was the right thing to do. So I had to tell, let Jeff Smith down, and uh, he, he, I tell you what, he cheated my ass out so bad. He made me, he made me feel like I was an inch tall, you know. And. Uh, you know, I, I just told him, Jeff, I'm I'm so sorry, but I think this is this is the best this is the best deal for me is 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 doing the Honda deal. But thank you anyway. So, um, and 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 it would go on to uh, kind of um, it would prove to be the right decision. But of course, like for for him, he's he's thinking he's got this blue chipper. He's got this this first round draft pick. The the kid that everyone wants on their team. You wanted to ride his 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 machine, and then all of a sudden Honda comes knocking, and um, basically like uh, in in a lot of ways his worst nightmare because. Uh, at this point, there's no one in their right mind that's going to turn down a factory Honda deal um, because uh, the the bikes were just so superior. They were they were completely one of a kind. Absolutely, you know, it was uh, during that era where uh, the Marty Smith, the Tommy Croft, um, you know, you want to you want to you want to ride what they're riding. You know, they're, they're, totally. They're some of the best riders, you know, in the country or in the world, and and uh, and uh, yeah, Honda is the biggest manufacturer. I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer, but um, but still, I you know, between my dad and I, we want to talk to uh, people, and make sure that that is the right thing to do, and yes, yeah, and it was, it was. So you know. Uh, Going out, going out testing with Steve Wise, Chuck Sun, uh, Ron Sun was on the team, and Richard Kuhn. Uh, who else? That first year, uh, Steve Wise, Chuck, Jeff Gibson, or Jim Gibson? No, I don't know if he was there that first year. I don't think I don't think he was there. He was on a Honda and placed right in front of you at the first Supercross. So the first Supercross was he was riding, was he or was he on the uh, Bass at Yamaha? He was. It's uh, my, uh, the Racer X Vault tells me he was on a Honda. Um, in eighty. So in eighty. Yeah, in eighty. Okay. Well, then, then he was then. It was then. Yeah. 
but Richard Kuhn and Ron and Ron Sun are those two are on there the first the first year and uh they would only be on there for one year I believe. Um but uh you know Steve Wise, I remember Steve Wise and Chuck, you know, how fast they were going during testing that I got I gotta match these guys, you know, and you know, and getting the bike working better so I can go fast like these guys or get close to them or whatever and Mm-hmm. It was a it was a big learning experience. So not only not only uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know how, other than reading about these these riders who's fast you know the Marty Smith Bob Hanna's the the uh, uh, you know the, the list goes on and on. But you know they're fast, but how fast are they? You know how yeah exactly until I get out there and I got to learn the tracks. Well, these riders know the track from year to year. So, um, see, the Supercross, Supercross, I ended up getting, finishing, again, in the premier class, the 250 class, because it was 250, 125s. I finished uh, eighth. Eighth Eighth overall in in the first time. And uh, this is, of course, the time of no uh, 125 Supercross. In fact, you spent your entire professional career on uh, on on 250s um, almost exclusively, never racing a 125 as a pro. Um, no no small task for a kid who's uh, just getting his feet wet in the pros. And uh, yeah, eighth overall, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, it's all in the series, the championship series. Yeah, um, sixth overall at your first race. Uh, my first race. Where was the first Anaheim? Oakland. Anaheim. My first race. I was running. I was running right up there, somewhere in the top five, top five, and I remember coming around the first turn, Wise, my teammate, Wise came in on me and drifted in front of me, took my friend out, put, and it crashed. I didn't do so good, and, and I was pissed at Wise for my whole, my, it seemed like my whole entire career uh, of racing, I, I was pissed at him because he took me out, which, I mean, he... I mean, he he did the right thing, and uh, I guess you know he. I don't know, but I I didn't like it, and uh, I was running well, and and ended up not doing so good in the first race. But anyways, um, the uh, outdoors, I had I had a lot of ankle in- injuries throughout my career as an yeah. amateur and as a pro. Um, so. Uh, I injured my my ankle and the and the uh, outdoor, so I didn't I didn't finish I didn't finish the series and and uh, so I had an eighth in the supercross and I uh, not good in the outdoors um, and I don't remember the Trans USA whatever how I ended up doing in that but the next year the second year in '81 I uh, I finished. Sixth in the uh, Supercross, and I finished third at the outdoors behind uh, Howard Ten and Hannah. Right, and so how, what, was, were, what was developing these bikes like? Was there any trips over to uh, to, to Europe, or were there any trips over to to Japan to do t- bike testing? What were some of the trickiest parts uh, you, you had, and um, what, what was what were those those uh, one of a kind bikes like? Like I would, uh, my my fans would be uh, more than upset if I didn't ask you about the machines themselves because those factory Hondas are uh, uh, a one of a kind. 
Yeah, they were. They were, they were, they were amazing. But yeah, the, the you look at the pictures and uh, you know how they painted the, the the gas tank. The gas tank on one side went down. The fuel tank went all the way down to the uh, cases, down to yeah. the motor, and uh, the the motors were black. And the bottom part of the tank was black, so it kind of blend in. The top part of the gas tank was red. So you right. couldn't, and it's kind of hard to tell looking at a picture that the gas tank was, it was just that, the gas tank that went down to the, uh, down to the motor. And on the other side, on the right, on the throttle side, the gas tank looked like a regular gas tank, which was hollow. It was air. Air, air would come in, air vent to come in on the front of the tank, and to the back of the tank to the air box where they get air to the air box. Uh, so all the gas is on, you know, in the middle where the gas cap is, down to the left side, down to the uh, down to the motor where the uh, the weight was down low, center of gravity is down low. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of having instead of having all the gas up on, on top where it normally is. You know, get the get the fuel to get the weight down low, uh, and it had the, the fuel pump pumping it pumping the, the fuel into the carburetor. Um, that was that was something that was pretty trick uh, back back in the day. Um, the brakes weren't disc, but they had a uh, it was pretty trick. They had the cam on the front brake. The way had they had that thing. There's some there's some really trick parts on that thing, but uh, I think it was. Is pretty uh, beyond its, its time. Uh, uh, this how everything worked. Everything worked so good. It was 1980 was the first year it came out as a prolink. Uh, yeah, exactly. This is um, like everything. All of this was before its time. Ah. Uh? All of this was before its time. In fact, uh, production bikes only just recently had a fuel pump at all. So. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, they, they, you know, Honda did. A, I, no, I didn't go back to Europe. I didn't go back to uh, Japan. I did all my testing at Indian Dunes or, or Saddleback or, or, a track that we have in the hills. Johnny O'Mara, O'Mara and I, um, had a house up in uh, Canyon Canyon Country, California, and right. uh, I bought my first house there, and then. We became friends when he got hired from Honda in '81, my second year. And I asked him, "I go, do you want to, you want to move in with me and, and train together and push each other?" And he said, "Yeah, let's do that." So that's how that's how that got started. Johnny and I became friends. Um, you know. So at the at the time, who's uh, who's working on your machines? Uh, like uh, the at this point, this is all box van days, and uh, the relationship between mechanic and uh, and rider is is really crucial. Uh, who is working on your bikes? Brian Lunas. There's an iconic name. Huh? I said there's an iconic name. Yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he was Warren Reed's mechanic when Warren was with Honda. When Warren went to Kawasaki, that left the spot open, and, and that's when they hired me, or um, Honda. And then Brian Nunes uh, was my mechanic. Uh, and he was a hard worker. You know, he, he would spend his, his days off 
uh, going riding with me, you know, coming out on one of the works one of the works bikes and go do some testing or, or riding or, or a local race. If I didn't have a, uh, a an, an AMA pro race going on, and I would race locally to stay competitive, you know, and uh, he would come out to Indian Dunes. We we race on the weekend and and uh, he was a hard worker. He, he, he worked real hard to, uh, uh, for both of us to, to, uh, to become, you know, champions. He stayed so, um, my, my, okay. the whole time with Honda. And uh, so he's he working with you in 81 uh, when uh, throw, like you, you got sixth in the, uh, the Supercross and uh, third in, in the outdoors. But uh, somewhere during that outdoor period, yeah, you got the invite to uh, compete on the, uh, the Motocross Nations and Trophy Nations, uh, both uh, in, in 19, uh, or at the end of 1980, uh, or 81, rather. Um, where did you uh, get, like, like how, how was that uh, when you got invited to um, and eventually would become the, uh, the first team to win for the USA at the, uh, the Motocross Nations in Germany? Right. Well, the Copter was our, our team consultant. Dave Arnold was the manager, and, and, and uh, Roger was the consultant. So he, uh, he was getting the... Uh, you know, the American team, just like he's doing now, the American riders, to go over, go over there to Europe and, and represent America for these, uh, these nations races. But uh, for whatever reason, the top riders during 81, like the Hannas, uh, the Glovers, the Barnett, for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't come together. Uh, they didn't want to go over to Europe and race whatever. So Roger goes, I'm going to bring over my riders. And so we're considered a second-rate team. Uh, we, we haven't won no races, no championships. Me and Johnny. Uh, Chuck, Chuck he, uh, he had a 500. He won the 500 National in, in 80. So he had the name, and Laporte had the, and Laporte had the name too. So Laporte, son, Johnny, and I. Johnny and I are, are rookies at this, at this, at this. So we go over there and not expecting to uh, to win, but just just for the experience and race the Europeans, the world best, uh, the world's best. And uh, as it turned out, we we won both. Both uh, weekends, because back then it's different from the way they run things now. They ran 250s the first weekend. We were in Lo- we were in Lomo, Belgium. That's right. And everyone rode 250s. There was no other other size bikes during the during the weekend. Everyone rode the same size bike. So first weekend 250s, and that track was rougher than hell. I never ridden anything so so rough. Deep sand and uh, our end result, uh, you know, was the lowest. We won. We beat we beat the uh, the best out there. And then the next weekend, we went to I think it was Belstein, G- Belstein Germany, where the track there was in the trees. It was hard packed, uh, a little bit of pavement, but uh, 
it was hard track, and we rode 500. And uh, again, we we had the lowest lowest uh, lowest numbers at the end of the week at the end of the day, and we we became champions. I got in fact the first moto I won, I got finished second on Carl Quist. Carl Quist won the moto, and I finished second in the moto. And then this um, is incredible. Uh, an event that uh, DeCoster would win not only not just two years prior to this. Now he's sending you guys over, uh, considered a B-list team, and you go over and win the damn thing. Right, right. And over over the two weekends, we won, you know, both both weekends the uh, the two yeah. pieces of the five hundred. But yeah, so uh, I, I finished second the first moto behind Carl Quist, and then uh, in between races, in between motos, it started raining, and that track was hard packed, and it started and then it was it was just greasy. So yeah, all I was greasy. trying to do is stay up in two wheels and uh, not throw it away, and uh, everyone everyone did great. Did good enough where uh, we clinched it. So um, that was. I mean, the Europeans were were happy for us. It was because we 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 beat the best on at at on their turf. So they were uh, there. It was it was it was great. We had a great time and great experience. And then uh, um, came home. Now I know, I know the tracks, and I finished. I finished uh, in '81. I finished the uh, outdoors. I know all the tracks now, so I know what to expect from all the tracks. Totally. And this is my second year uh, racing against American riders, and I know how fast they go now. So Johnny and I, in the off season after '81, uh, we just worked our ass off, and and. Uh, Kept racing locally and uh, working hard during the week and came down to Anaheim for the first uh, race in 82 and uh, where I won and Johnny finished third behind uh, Ward. And yeah, eight, eight, 82 rolls around and uh, this is this is your year, man. Like, uh, like you said, Anaheim, gate drops and uh, it's see you later, whole shot Hannah. Um First of all, uh, before we jump into that year, the, the career, where did that uh, nickname come from? Uh, obviously, you got a lot of hole shots, but who gave it to you? Uh, and uh, in this particular year, like uh, Jeff Ward's on the Kawasaki, but uh, it didn't seem like anyone had an answer for you, especially at places like Seattle, Pontiac, and uh, and eventually wrapping up the championship in L.A. Right. Um, uh I'm sorry. What was the question again? The first, well, the first question I asked was, "Who gave you the whole shot?" Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it, it came on the Can-Am. The Can-Am, like I said, it had that Rotex motor, real fast, and I used to get starts uh, on that Can-Am. Okay. So uh, I don't know. Somebody put the on my on my new seat cover. It had on the back of it whole shots. So that's where it started. I think back in the the Colby. Andy, Andy Kobe, uh, Kobe Honda. When I was racing, racing for a Kobe Honda shop um, on the Can Ams, that's where it started okay. out. Um, so then, eight, eighty-two here, like uh, the we're, we're getting ready for Anaheim, just like we do uh, here in uh, in two thousand and sixteen coming up. Um, but in in nineteen eighty-two, uh, you're a picture of confidence. You and the O Show uh, have put in a lot of work and uh, ready to do some serious business. Right. Well. 
Um, yeah, I, I got I got this I got the start, uh, and then let it for a while. Then Wardy came up on me and and passed me, and and uh, uh, I got him back. Um, no, you know what? I you know I did get, I get the I got the start, but I drifted out kind of wide on the, on the coming out of the first turn, so Schultz came out in front. And uh, anyways, I dived to this guy uh, a little bit between um, uh, Ward and, and uh, Schultz a little bit, but then uh, and I just kept hammering it down and uh, I pulled away from those guys and and uh, I, I won it you know fairly easy you know straight away ahead or whatever but um so i knew that uh you know i i was i was ready for this i was ready for this so we went to seattle the second race and that's a double header right and i won the first the first night and uh then the second night oh, i think yeah the second night I just rode tight, you know, because I, I, you know, just having the pressure of, uh, of uh, winning the series and not blowing it and not throwing it away and just, um, I, I rode to a sixth place on that uh, second night of Seattle. So that was between that and the, the last race that really cost him was from the six two. Those were the, my two worst races that year. Uh, right, it's um, you. You weren't a little bit tired from Saturday night, or yeah, Saturday night's celebration, were you? No, we, I mean, we didn't. There was no party. We didn't. There was no party back then at all. Fair enough. And uh, so, no, I wasn't tired. I was just riding tight, riding tight, yeah. and uh, just not not relaxed and not riding like I I knew how to ride. Um, but. You know, I rode uh, throughout the series, and it was, you know, right up on top, right up on top, and and then uh, Pontiac was a double header where I won both nights that night, and and uh, anyways, uh, we went to uh, Europe for the Dis Nations for the for the second year. It was uh, me and Johnny Gibson, Magoo. Oh, show. Yeah, that's all four of you. And uh, Bailey was there as well. No, 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 no. Eighty-two. Yeah, Bailey went there. He took my place. That's right. He he actually wore your jersey even. Uh, did he? I believe so. He wore. Uh, they ended up having to put uh, after you got injured. They have to put uh, his name bar over top of uh, your. I believe it was there. J- it was JT gear, correct? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, he was wearing a JT Racing jersey for uh, for the event, but of course he was not a JT uh, Racing rider at that time. Oh yeah, he's a Fox rider. Yeah, so so went over um, went over again to uh, I clinched everything. I clinched everything here, even though the Supercross yeah. wasn't over yet. I still had I don't know where it was. Was it was San Diego? Maybe the last race or where it was. I hadn't done it yet, but I already clinched the title. Okay. Clinched the title. I clinched uh, both titles outdoors and uh, Supercross, but um, um, went back 
to race the last 250 World Championship in, in November, B. Sweden, uh, the last GP over there, um, where I uh, won both motos. And uh, that's when Laporte clinched the title that uh, year over Jade. But uh, that's a that's a huge deal too, because um, like up, up until this point, no uh, American had actually won uh, a, G- a GP championship, and you going over there and uh, and stealing two wins is kind of almost a changing of the guard a little bit as far as uh, like uh, where the fastest guys or uh, were coming from and and what the most prestigious series would become. Right. Um, anyways, so, we, we, we do that, we do that, I won that, the port clenched, they clenched the title, and then went over to, uh, uh, part of Germany, and I'd be close to where the, uh, uh, the race is going to be, uh, and we're practicing, and Rolf Diffenbach's practice track behind his house, and, uh, I was out there, and Magoo was out there, um, where I got off, I ended up getting off, and that's where it ended my career. So uh, I crashed. I crashed. They helicoptered me out and put me in the hospital. They flew over Bailey, and Bailey was, uh, he was pretty green. I mean, that was like his first year on Honda. And yeah. So they got David to come over and uh, take my place and, as we know, uh, Magoo, he won all four motos, and uh, America won uh, the trophy of motocross designations uh, for the second year. Uh, second year, and they do so for another 15 years. Um, yeah. What's your What's your best Danny Magoo Chandler story? Ah, uh, shoot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what? I didn't know him that well. I didn't know him that well. I've raced against him. A little bit, you know, locally, when I go up to Northern California or something, and and uh, I don't, I don't know if I have anything. I don't. I only got three years of uh, knowing these these pros, you know, these riders that I'm racing against, and and I'm, I'm in and out. So I didn't know. I didn't know Danny, even though. And he wasn't, he, you know what, Danny was a support rider for Honda during that time. I think yeah. the year before, the year, I think it was the, uh, he ride production bikes. And they gave him a, a factory bike to, to test it, and I uh, did good or something on the Nationals and uh, on, on that bike. So he ended up being uh, one, one of the riders pointed out to race the, the trophy of motocross, uh, the, 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 the designations, you know, and not been on those factory bikes very long, if I remember right. Fair enough. Now, um, obviously, you'd mentioned that uh, the injury basically ended your career, uh, and, and you're still a very young man at this point, probably no older than, say, maybe 21 or 22 at the time. Um, what, what, Kind of, what were your thoughts, and, and and what did you think that you would do for uh, your days going forward? Um, and uh, was there ever a thought of of a comeback of any kind? Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, you know, I spent I spent I was in a coma for a couple 
I don't know, a couple weeks, I think, or something. But I spent a month in the hospital, and I had to learn. I had to learn to walk and talk all over again. Wow. I was doing going through therapy and stuff in the hospital and stuff, and they kept me. They kept me in the hospital in in Germany for two weeks. They wouldn't let me fly home because of the pressure and flying on on the head. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't. They wouldn't relieve me to uh, to fly back home. I spent two weeks in the hospital there in in Europe, there in Germany, before I was finally let let go. Sign waivers that uh, you know they don't recommend flying, but we we did. My my we ended up having a a friend a friend who was a a doctor in Southern California, who was a plastic surgeon. He ended up helping my wife. He flew over and helped get me back, get me back home where I spent another two weeks in the hospital in Oxnard uh, before I got out. But I had to learn how to read and, and walk all over again. Um, but, I, you know, I, I didn't go through any pain during this this uh, journey. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, that's, my plan was, you know, I was the number one rider. I was going to come back and I was going to race again when I healed up. Yeah. So uh, I did my own therapy, and I got to where I was going for walks, going for jogs, you know, started running again and putting in the time and, and stuff. And then and the first time I got back on the bike was at Indian Dunes around an oval track with the jump in it. You know, my that Sid Johnson was his man, the doctor friend. He'd come out there and take my pull, you know, make sure everything's good as I was doing doing laps, you know, and, I was going slow and just, you know, our thing was, was slow, but, you know, working back at it until I finally got on a motocross track. And and then I was having problems. You know, I was, I was riding during the week, trying to get strong again and, and work up. But my, I lost my timing and depth reception, everything that you need, you know, on a motocross bike or, mm-hmm. you know, on your, out there on the races, your timing and depth reception. You know these these little double jumps that come up short and crash my brains out. You know, and I had problems. You know, on the on the rough. It doesn't have to be that rough. Choppy sections, well, my head would go up and down. I I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I'm not relaxed enough and I couldn't focus on my reps, my lines. Okay. So those were the the things that that uh, kind of held me back. But anyways. So in 83, 83 was the last, I believe it was the last race of the Supercross season. And uh, and uh, Honda got me a, a bike ready and and uh, rode practice. And I knew what had to be done, but things were not working out. So I rode the first practice session, rode the second practice session, and that's when I said, I'm done. <laughs> wow. Ain't that's got to be a, a tough moment for you. Yeah. So... 84, 84 is, is when um, I started up the motocross schools, and that's when I had, uh, that's when Josh, that's when I made Josh. That's when you made Josh. <laughs> yeah. Josh comes along, and, uh, and and you're off to the races again. Um, except this time, except this time, you know, as an amateur, I didn't, we didn't have the uh, um, amateur nationals like they do 
you know, like Josh did, you know, yeah. or these days, you know. And that's what I did. We, we, you know, I bought motorhomes. You know, we went through three different motorhomes through his amateur career, taking them, you know, taking them from the East Coast to the West Coast or vice versa, taking them to the uh, amateur nationals, you know, from from racing Glen Helen amateur races to uh, uh, Florida, you know, and and uh, and in between, you know, we put in lots of miles and had a great time doing that, uh, going racing, you know, stopping the KOAs and having barbecues and drinking a beer and kids going swimming and mm-hmm. because in 1990, Josh's sister came along, so she was a big part of uh, Josh's racing and, uh, you know, growing up with the no saps and uh, um, the lick dolls and, and uh, uh, you know, the the short that really fast that really fast uh, family from uh, California I think it starts with an A who's that uh, they did a lot of winning I think on the number 800 oh Leslie yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we you know we that's what we, that's what we did and uh, we we make we have our our second families are, are the families at the races you know we go to the mini Olympics and have have Thanksgiving there with the the same people that we're racing with every week, you know, and that's our second family, and and uh, we have great, we had good times. It's a lot of good times there. Hundred percent, and uh, and then of course now when you started the uh, uh, the riding schools and uh, basically the motocross academy, um, and uh, it seems like young and old, everyone wants to come learn from a guy whose average finish at an outdoor national is. Uh, um, an 8.5. So that you're just you're inside the top five for your average finish, and only one finish outside the top ten in your entire career as a professional. Um, that's absolutely astounding. Uh, I don't think anyone else can really uh, claim anything quite like that, other than the other greats of the sport, the other legends. And uh, another thing that kind of stuck out to me was that Racer X. Uh, referred to you as uh, ranked you as the 27th all-time Supercross racers, uh, having only raced um, three full seasons. Donnie, that's incredible. You know what? That year, Brad, that I won the, uh, the outdoor title, I wasn't ex- I wasn't ex- expecting. I had two two DNFs, uh, two moto DNFs that year. One one at Saddleback, where Brock and I. Were, were guys for the lead. They had a rhythm section. It was a double, double, double. And uh, I'm leading. Brock's right there behind me. And I see, a, I see a, ca- a, a, a caution flag out. And he's out there. He's on, on the, on the, outside the, um, the rhythm section. So there's a rider down, but I can't see him. So I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in these things. I got one line. Brock's got another line. He's right there on me, and uh, I jump out the last rhythm, jump out and landed right on the guy's bike, and uh, smashed my pipe, and injured my my leg a little bit. So that was one DNF moto. The other DNF was at St. Pete, Florida, where I got a flat tire, and that was uh, my second. So that was a potential 50 points there, where I got zero between those two uh, motos. So I was. I was going into the last race 
of the season here in Colorado. And um, uh, CDR, you end up uh, second, second overall, right behind Brock. Yeah, well, yeah. Let me tell you the story. So go for it. Uh, uh, anyways, I, I got I got the start. I got the start, and uh, led led the whole race. And 45 minutes, last lap, Brock passes me right towards the finish. Come come down the downhill and make a right-hander, make a left-hander, and then straight away into the finish line. Brock passed me before the downhill. So going down the downhill, I'm right behind him, going to the right-hander, going to the left-hander, the last corner, he's got the far inside line. So I'm right on the outside, and I just, I just got a little bit of momentum on him. And coming out of that turn, I just I, I was able because I had the momentum coming out of the turn. I I beat him by half bridling because I I won the first moto. And uh, apparently, RJ was trying to catch us. I mean, he had the series one, and uh, he he was trying to catch Brock and I. And coming down that downhill, he broke a wheel, came in the pits, changed out the wheel, got going again. He finished twenty second. Okay. 22nd, you got zero points. I won. I got 25 points. So now, going to the last race of the last moto of the season, I'm five points going into it. And uh, where I I got to start again, and I, I I heard someone behind me, and it kind of pulled off the side there, and it's Brock. So I let him go. I got behind them, and it's falling around. And before you know it, I hear another rider. And I kind of same thing, kind of back out of it. And it, and uh, RJ pulls next to me, looks at me, shakes his head, like no, no way. <laughs> and I just let him, I just let him get in front of me, and I just, I just saw him, saw him through, and uh, finished third that moto and uh, second overall. But you know, and and I used to, I used to tease Ricky, and I used to call him uh, Rookie. He goes, finally, he goes, what is that? What do you mean, Rookie? I go. You're, you're a fucking rookie. You, you should have won that series, but you're a rookie, and I ended up getting it from you. <laughs> well, he, he probably lays, still lays in bed thinking about that one. Uh, it was a five-point gap. You guys would have been tied for points at the end of the race, no? No, I won by a couple, by a couple points. Okay. Because, well, I, I thought it was five. I thought it was good. Okay, so first is 25, 20, 23, what's third? 22 or 20? It uh, goes uh, 25, 22, 20. So 23, 20. 25 or is it 22? 23 or 22? It's uh, it's 22 because it's uh, you get the extra oh, point for, for winning the race. I mean, first and second. Yeah. And points. then so uh, you must have it set. You must have a seven point gap or something like that. Oh, maybe maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Either way, you win the championship, and uh, yeah, there's a feather in your cap right there. Like uh, one of the only guys to have won uh, the indoor title and outdoor title, and uh, having having wrapped up the Supercross title uh, before San Diego, not too bad. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I was the first first one for Honda to do that, and then and then as we and then I didn't race next year because I was done then, and and uh, Bailey won, and he got the. He got the blue plate where he did the same thing, you know, the one. But I didn't get recognized 
when I did it, like David, like Bailey did when he did. You know, it was a, you know, I was I was kind of upset about that with Honda. You know, I I, I kind of left Honda on bad terms. I was kind of upset with them. Uh, when I was healing up, when I got out of the hospital in '82, I was home recovering. The uh, Coster and uh, Arnold come over and uh, told me that if I want to take the following year '83 off, we'll back you. We'll pay your bills. We'll back you. You get ready for '84. And I was stoked because this, we're, we're talking like September right now. Right, right, right. So I said, "Yeah, that'd be great. Perfect." So I, I won Honda two number one plates, and I went down to uh, to do my contract, and uh, my bills came out to forty grand, forty grand for the, you know, forty grand. I want to forty grand for the for my contract for that's my bills, and they countered back, and they said, "Well, we'll pay you twenty, but." You know, I wasn't, I was not thinking, I wasn't thinking right, you know, and I said, well, shoot, they don't have to pay me anything, uh, I'll take it. You know, Preston Petty, who was my father-in-law, he went down to help me, but I didn't let him have a chance to help me out. Um, you know, we never really talked about that afterwards, but anyways, I signed for 20 grand, and, and, uh, one day, it's, it's popped in my mind that I won two number plates for for, the, for this manufacturer, and they pay me twenty thousand dollars when when I should uh, you know should should have been paid hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars for because they're going to put on my name in '83 of the Honda one of the number one plates. Exactly. Yeah, they sold a lot of units over those one yeah, plates. Yes, and uh, and so. And I, I was kind of up, bumped. I was upset that I, you know, signed for nothing really. And uh, so that next year, you know, I'm I'm training, trying to come back and everything, and I'm doing these interviews with Cycle News or whatever magazines and stuff. And I told it like it was. You know, the questions they asked, I I, I told them the same thing I told you, is uh, well, Honda didn't like that because that makes no, of course not, makes them look bad. So. And uh, when I when I decided I was done racing, I went to the Japanese. I go, I, I like I like a job. I want I want to be consultant for, uh, you know, for Honda. I hope your riders come up. And the Japanese goes, you change your you change your interview first, and I think about it. And I said, fuck those guys. I don't need them that bad. But wow. but you know, it's, I, I was a kid and. Uh, and uh, I was trying to do everything myself, and even even if I had you know had a little help in, in, in my corner, I wasn't I wasn't asking for any help. I was trying to make all the decisions myself, and so you know I just it didn't sit good. Uh, you know I, I I wasn't real happy with uh, um, how everything played out at the end there, but. Uh, you know, it, it's all good. It's all good. I got the schools were uh, started up the following year in '84. Got real successful. Worked with a lot of the top riders throughout my my uh, my 
my days working uh, um, at the motocross schools, you know, Villa Potos, the uh, uh, Hills, J- Justin and Josh and and uh, uh, Andrew and Josh and um, Benji and Weimers and you know I, I helped I helped those guys somewhat the the, the little bit that I, I worked with them and uh, you know so I, I'm proud I'm proud of uh, where we've come uh, with the schools and and uh, proud of the. Uh, Riders, I was fortunate to, uh, to help. You know, they're all kids. They're, they're. When I was working with them, I was helping build a foundation. You know, right. practice and how to practice. It's like any any of the other riders. You know how they got to look at it and and uh, how to go about uh, working at this at this game that we all love. That's great to hear and. It's one of those things where, for me, I got to imagine that for you, uh, your greatest pride and joy, and like the what you take pride in most, is is seeing your son from the very uh, Josh from from the very first time he sat on a bike to to where he he's got to now. Uh, you've had a big hand in in his progression. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, introducing uh, Josh to the sport of motocross and uh, his progression and some of the uh, the bad habits that you had to break from him and uh, just the dynamic there because I know you guys uh, had a lot uh, had a a great history together. Well, we uh, you know was. He wanted to get on the bikes from, uh, he was a, l- a little guy in diapers. In fact, he would, you know, come down in the morning with, with his uh, bottle uh, in his mouth, come down the stairs and on his stomach in his diaper and, and that, that uh, slide down the stairs. And instead of putting, watching cartoons, he put a, 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 one of my school videos in or a motocross uh, the uh, video, video the cassette tapes. The uh, what? What were the VH? V, where, where were VHS, they? VHS, yeah. VH, the big old, the big old videos. He put this. Yeah, the watch, VHS tapes. Watch him. I got him his first bike when he was. Shoot, I don't know, probably a, probably around five or so, and uh, it's got a, a used P. Uh, PW uh, YZPW little fifty, yeah, and uh, just uh, just let him ride the bike, let him ride, and want to have classes, you know. Later on, later on, uh, when he was on sixties, you know, I, I wouldn't pay no attention to him or or anything. Just let him join in and just do like the rest of the class type deal, and uh, not pushing him or nothing. Just let him. Let, just let him ride and enjoy himself, and uh, until he started taking some things more serious, you know, the bikes were just used uh, stock bikes. So as he started getting more serious, then we started, you know, put a little more, little money into the bike where he get a little better suspension or put a, a pipe on it or whatever. And then uh, uh, Yamaha used to uh, support me in the schools, you know, for for many years. And uh, the program that I had between uh, the manufacturer and the dealers, uh, they would they would loan me, you know, some six bikes or so for the year, for for bike rentals for the students 
the flu in or whatever needed a bike ride. And then at the end of the year, between all the sponsors that I had, fix the bike back up and and sell it for what it, what they needed to get out of it or just turn the bikes back in, uh, back, you know, to the dealer. Um, and so that always worked out good. And uh, so, you know, I... You know, when he graduated from the '60s and, and on to the '80s, you know, I had I had '80s, I had an '80, one or two '80s that I got from the from the dealer, you know, and then parts came from from the factory to keep the bikes going. So, you know, Josh he had good equipment, you know, he had good equipment, and uh, never had uh, bikes never never broke. But I, you know, I didn't I didn't spend a lot of I didn't believe and spend a lot of time, a lot of money on hopping the bikes up really good. I'm mean, make them good, and you know the rider can win on it. You just got to ride a little harder than uh, maybe the guy that has a better bike than you. But it, it wasn't that yeah. bad. It was it was a pretty good bike still. And uh, I know like Ryan Morris, his dad always had the best stuff. Or Ryan had the best stuff. His dad, you know, well we never could beat Ryan. He would he would finish behind Ryan, but uh, but would never beat him. And, uh, you know, I sponsored Ryan Morris, you know, as an amateur for many years, you know, and, uh, we brought the kids up together as well as Andrew Short. But, um, I guess the point I'm making is, you know, you got to work a little harder to earn your spot, you know, and, uh, with the equipment you have. And, that's going to make you a better rider someday, you know. And, uh, you know, he's, he's won, Josh has won, I don't know, a couple handfuls or a dozen race uh, events, overall events. He's come close to winning two championships, one with uh, yeah. Mitch. Uh, he was he was winning that one uh, when he crashed. Until he hurt his hand there. He did his hand, and, and, and he knocked himself out. He knocked himself out. He broke his hand. When he was one in that series, uh, Tickle was his, his teammate. He was second, and then Tomac was third. At the end of that night, or no, after after uh, after practice, and they got him off the track. He finally came to, and we went to the medics. I met him up there, and and, uh, and they weren't going to let him race because he knocked himself out. You know, and he started tearing up. He goes, he goes, I can't, I can't just let this championship go. So the doc says, "Okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three words. I, I'm going to leave, and I'll be back in ten minutes, and you tell me what the words are." So he passed that test. So while we're in there, I go, "Josh, let's, let's, can you remember the track? Let's talk about the track from the start. Let's, let's talk about." So we went around, you know, we did the track thing. Mm-hmm. They came, they came back, back and and I came back and uh, and uh, we're going to go to. Uh, uh, get your heart rate up and see how your head functions with your heart rate up. So we went back to the pits to a pro circuit, got out of the stationary bicycle, and rode that. They got the uh, heart rate up for 25 minutes and see how he handled it. And, and he did. He did all right. He did all right. So we had to sign some some papers that uh, uh, you know between the parents and the race team that we're going to let them race. You know, and it's you know. We're clearing the we're clearing the medics because who wasn't supposed to let them race or whatever. So to Josh, just this, you know, we have next weekend we have off 
And then and wherever that race was in the following week, they had one week off, and then there was a race, and then there was two months off. There was two, uh, two months, four weeks of a break. I go, yeah. so I go, try to, let's try to get to finish the top ten because the hammer's broken. And I go, so try to finish the top ten and solve points, and we got a week off, and then, and then uh, uh, we'll get make 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 deal on the next race when it comes up in two weeks, and then you got then you have four weeks. You have uh, eight eight weeks. It was two months. I said, "Well, we'll go and get your hand fixed, and you have you have three weeks. I don't know. You had you had some time to uh, after surgery, and then and then uh, time before a race." you know, four weeks or whatever to get back on and get back in shape again after the surgery. I go, just try to get a top ten. You got top ten? Shit, I'm going to win this thing. So I'm thinking to myself, he's still, he's still kind of cookie a little bit, a little dingy. Yeah, might not be thinking straight right now. Yeah. So we had two hours before his heat race. So uh, we, he gets up there, he holds shots, and he wins. I go, shit, he, he has a chance. He can, he, he can get on the box tonight. In the main event, he uh, again he whole shotted and dice with Tomac for a little bit, and then uh, pulled away, and he he won that thing. And then uh, the next weekend was off, and then wherever the race was the fall weekend, it was uh, it was kind of rainy, and and uh, I didn't go. I didn't go for whatever reason. And uh, but he he during practice he overjumped a triple. I flat landed and did more damage to his hand. Yeah. So, uh, oh, I did go. I, I did go. Anyways, after that, after that practice, he goes, I just need this night to be over with. And he, he ended up uh, sixth that night. So he went in, he went in and had surgery. He went in and had surgery. And then, uh, and then that, that race that I didn't go to, I was watching on TV. It was at Seattle. It was, it was messy and everything, and and uh, oh shit, I don't know. If, I don't know, but he he uh, he he crashed during practice, and he dislocated two of the fingers on his broken hand. That's right. And it is when it went downhill. He ended up he ended up third behind uh, uh, Tomac in the series, and uh, anyways. And then the other one he almost won was uh, when he was on Red Bull KTM, and he he tied for the championship uh, with uh, Langston. That's right. It was Michigan. Michigan was the last race, and uh, he was behind. He was behind uh, uh, Grant, and during practice, he broke his hand or broke his hand again. He broke a hand or his wrist, or he broke he broke his hand. I think it was a hand, and uh, uh, they did what they or they do with it at the track. They numbed his hand up, and he raced, and he won. And uh, Grant finished uh, fourth or fifth, and and uh, they tied for the they tied for the championship, but lost it because Grant had more wins overall wins during the season. So you know he didn't win no championship, and he ain't gonna win no championship. He has no chance anymore. He's too old and. He's set in his own ways, and but uh, you know he's 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 won. He's got some gold medals in the X Games, gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals. Uh, like I said, a, 
uh, a dozen wins, uh, Supercross wins. Um, and a lot of skills on a dirt bike, let's be honest. The guy, the kid can uh, can really ride. When it comes to those free riding and just uh, having skills on the bike, uh, it's tough to find much uh, much better than Josh. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in those videos he, he did, I'm sure you've seen a lot of those videos he's doing it oh, yeah. up in the hills and stuff that he, he had been a push, has, has done in the past and stuff. And, yeah, he, he, he knows how to ride a bike for sure. Um, how, how often do you yourself get, uh, get onto a bike, uh, if, if recently or, uh, perhaps, uh, back in the two-stroke days? Yeah, I haven't ridden Brad in 15 years. I just, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt no more. And, yeah, I hear that. And my body, you know, some three or four years ago now, I got my body overhauled. I just hurt every day between my ankles my knee, my shoulders, I just, I just hurt. And one day I said, you know what, I got to get ready for the last half. I'm going to get my body overhauled. So I went in, got a knee replacement all on the left side. Went and got my ankle fused, got my uh, rotator cuff, my shoulder fixed, my bicep tendon reattached, and I, I feel so good. I feel so good. And, uh, I keep I keep doing my therapy and and uh, going for for fast walks even to this day I, I did it today I do I do it most most every day and uh, you know the, the things I had to do for therapy for my the things that I got repaired I just keep doing it you know and I I lost 20 pounds and I keep the, I keep the weight off um, so I don't I don't want to get out there and I don't want to hurt myself anymore you know I don't want to take that chance or, you know, push my limits and, and, uh, hurt myself. I, I, I don't have no desire to get on a bike. So I don't, I, I enjoy going out there watching, watching these kids do it. That's all I want to do. So, uh, who are some of the riders that you've been working with lately that, uh, you feel like, uh, just by the eye test, this, this kid's got it. Uh, who's on the horizon for someone that can really start to turn heads, uh, going down the road? Uh, you know what? I don't, have anyone right now i don't have one anyone uh, per se okay. uh, um you know the time that i spent you know a couple years on rehabbing my body surgery after mm-hmm. surgery did, did my knee first and doing the therapy getting that work in my knee and then after i did that then i did my ankle got that fused and started doing therapy on that doing that and so i spent you know a couple years so I, I got out of it for a while during that time, and then uh, and then coming back into it, you know, it's been a lot slower, you know, a lot slower. And uh, so I haven't been I haven't been uh, I haven't I haven't worked with anyone that I can say that uh, that has a, a real bright future now. Uh, Fair enough. Well, yeah. it's great to see that you're still able to uh, pass on some knowledge to the weekend warriors down there in uh, Colorado. And uh, I gotta say, Donnie, it's it's been a huge pleasure of mine to have you on the show to uh, to bring some exposure uh, of your career to to my listener base. And uh, I hope that uh, all those who listen really enjoyed the stories and, and everything that you had to say. Man, you're uh, you're a legend in the sport, and uh, I am truly uh, truly honored and privileged to be able to speak with you. 
Well, thank you, Brad. And, and I, uh, I means a lot to me, and I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate uh, you getting a hold of me and uh, Dan, Dan uh, helping us out and getting together and doing this. I, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy it, and uh, uh, anything I can do to help out anyone out there. Um, I'm here. I'd like to come to Canada, and and uh, if you if you know a way you can help me uh, come out there, um, Brad, I I would love it and, and meet you and uh, maybe your dad yes. and uh, come out there and see Canada again and uh, some some uh, uh, mooses and and do some teaching out there. Absolutely, I know. Uh, I know just the track to to take you to. Uh, we'll definitely have to uh, to chat about that uh, down the road and, and see if we can't get you up to uh, either Prairie Hill MX or, or Grunthal Raceway for a, a four day clinic. I think that would be a great opportunity for some uh, some some Manitoba racers to uh, not only drop their lap times but uh, get some some great instruction. Right on, absolutely. All right, Brad. Well, awesome. thank you very much. Nice talking with you. Yep, don't hang up just yet, but uh, for podcast sake, we'll, we'll cut it off right there. All right. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.